0: That's when I learned that when half of the room thinks you're too early and half of the room thinks you're too late, that's exactly when you should write a book.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. hi everybody welcome back to superhumans at work this is your host jason mark campbell and i have an extraordinary guest coming to speak with us now this would be the first time that he's given a presentation this man has spoken over two thousand times in over 60 countries across six continents he's been in front of american brazilian german and chinese audiences and he is the founder of a company called interesting.org he has a series of islands called idea islands which we're going to talk a bit more about and right now he is working on not one but three books that are all centered around creativity what is creativity? How do we nurture it? What does it mean? Is it important? These are the types of questions we're going to go much deeper into as we're actually going to go into this topic. Now, some of the clients that this man has worked with include American Express, DHL, Nokia, Microsoft, IBM, the list goes on. He is a legend in the field. So it's my great pleasure to bring Frederick Heron to come here and share some amazing ideas. Frederick, welcome to Superhumans at Work.
0: Hey, thank you very much.
1: Now, I was reading your bio and I'm like, wow, this man has been everywhere. How long have you been doing public speaking and speaking on this topic?
0: I actually became a professional speaker in 1995 and I became a full-time professional speaker in 2000. So I started when I was 27 years old and that's quite unusual for professional speakers. But I had discovered the internet in 93 and started studying it. If you knew anything about the internet in 1995, you were an expert. So I became an instant expert. My first speech was the internet is a network of networks. <laughs> and oh my God! Yeah, that was those were the days. And then in 2000, I switched to the topic of creativity because, uh, to be honest, I got a bit tired of the internet in 2000, and I got more about, much more fascinated about the creativity. And that's what I've been studying since.
1: Well, unfortunately, I got to ask you one question about the internet, which was what were one of the things that people were asking about the internet back then. That you know, we don't even take into context now. Like I feel like there's so much we take for granted with the internet now. There must have been some very original questions back then.
0: You know, the one of the most interesting things I find is that there were so many of the ideas that we had in the 1990s that then became real. Like I remember the very very first project I worked on in 1995 was called VOD, Video On Demand. It was literally Netflix. But at that time we had 24, four modems. It was impossible to build it, but we were still designing an interface for what a Netflix would look like when we didn't have to go to the cinemas and we can watch videos on the in- Even though technically it was only one place in Stockholm where you can go between two universities where they had an internet fast enough to do it. Or 6degrees.com, which was basically like a Facebook. It was, I think they had 5 million users when they closed it down. And my big lesson was that during the dot-com bust, a lot of these ideas were killed because people said, okay, it's not gonna work. But the only reason, that they were killed was because didn't people didn't have patience the investors didn't have patience to live through that phase where we lost confidence in the internet for a while so a lot of I, really good ideas died during that time and it showed me a lot of things like the value of of launching an idea at the right time the value of not giving up on a good idea too early the fact that everyone can think that okay okay so it wasn't a good idea but actually it was so it, is, it was a lot of lessons in the dot-com bust that was very interesting from a creativity perspective
1: Yeah, I was going to say that's fascinating because speaking of Netflix, I remember watching an episode of, I forget what the show was, but they were showing a company in the early 90s that was designing the iPhone, but they didn't have the right technology. Now you're talking about the concepts of video on demand. You're talking about the concepts of Facebook, timing being so important. Matter of fact, if timing is so important, does that mean that most ideas, if they're too early, like how... How do you end up being that person that ends up having that great idea, but at the right time? Don't you come out as just the person that looks crazy?
0: Well, a good idea launched at the wrong time is a bad idea, if you think about it. And a lot of people do that. I always do the analogy with, you know, the Tour de France. There's always some guys in Tour de France that just leave the pack and just go for it. And the audience, the fans love these people because they're like the wild riders, but they almost never win. Because the big group, the big group is like, they're keeping track of those people. If they get too far, the group get together and they start chasing them. But they still have a lot of fans and we love them. But the people who win Tour de France are the ones who are in the first big group or the first group right behind the ones in front. Because they are close enough to those trailblazers, but they are checking, okay, when is the time to go? And then they go. That's a good analogy for where you should be. You should be in the first pack. You shouldn't be the guy who just runs way ahead of everyone. And when I write books, for example, it's very important when you write books, or at least business books, is you don't write a book for where the world is right now. You write a book for where the world will be a year from now or two years from now when the book is done for the book to be relevant. But I also learned something when I wrote my book, my first book was about the internet. And I learned that when I started speaking about the internet in 95, Half of the group, half of the audience would say, oh, come on, the internet is nothing new. It's been around since 1960. And I I had an email in 1983. They would just totally look down on me as a 27-year-old, say, oh, so you just discovered the internet. It's been around forever. The other half of the room was like, oh, what's this guy talking about? Only 3% of people in Sweden have internet. There will be 50 years before everyone has internet. This is just, it's just a young visionary person. It's not gonna happen. That's when I learned that When half of the room thinks you're too early and half of the room thinks you're too late, that's exactly when you should write a book.
1: That's a very powerful insight. I don't think I've heard anybody frame it that way. Now, when I'm looking at the internet, obviously it didn't take 50 years. Everything changed with it. And now we're in a space where it seems like creativity is one of those skills that is the most important. In demand, it seems like this magical, mystical skill that you look for in the workplace. And you know, I could just imagine in a boardroom, the CEOs are like, you know what? We just need more creative people in here. Let's find someone that has that essence so that we can inject creativity and innovation. They usually go hand in hand. Now, you spoke a lot on this topic. Would you say it's creativity, innovation? Is it hand in hand? And is it something that someone's born with, or is it is it a magic?
0: Okay, for the first one, yes, of course, they go hand in hand. Innovation, to me, is the concept of making ideas come to life, like realizing an idea is innovation. I'm going to paint Mona Lisa is an idea. Painting Mona Lisa is the innovation. It's like making ideas happen, making them come to life. So definitely, they go hand in hand. Creativity is the whole process. It's the research, having the problem, thinking about it, then having the idea, then testing it, like creativity is the whole process. The second question, are you born with it or can you learn how to become creative? When I get that question, I always bring it back to the person who asked it. So what do you think?
1: Well, in my case, you know, I feel like a lot of times I've labeled myself as non-creative and I don't think I'm the only person that sometimes does that. Then I, I question myself. I'm like, no, I've, I've come up with good ideas. And then I judge myself. I'm like, yeah, anybody can come up with ideas. And so I feel like personally, I value more the execution and I might underappreciate the idea generation. So long answer to a short question, which basically is, I think sometimes I label myself as non-creative and it might limit myself.
0: Well, say actually kind of two questions in one there. First of all, are some people born creative and some people are not? Are you born more or less creative? I think you are. I think it's just like music. My father was a musician. My younger brother has perfect pitch. He can hear a song once and then he can play it. I can't. So I got everything from my mother, not from my father. So yes, some people. my brother is much more well-prepared to be a good musician than I am, but I can also learn to play an instrument. So just because you're born with less creativity innate inside of your body doesn't mean you can't become creative. Actually, you can become super creative even though you're not born with it. And to quote my father, he said, because he was a music teacher as well, and he said, you can teach anyone to play an instrument, but the only way to teach someone how to become a musician is through inspiration. And what he meant by that is that, yes, first of all, you can teach music to people, and you can also then, in my case, you can teach creativity to people. Of course you can. It's the skill, just like any other skill. But just because you teach a lot of creativity techniques to someone does not mean that person becomes creative. Just like teaching a lot of chords to someone doesn't make them a guitar player. You can teach them to play the guitar, but they don't embrace being a musician. That comes from in showing inspiring music and taking them to concerts and getting all excited about music. That's how Michael Jackson became Michael Jackson. He studied all the grades before him and he took and he stole from all that. And it's the same for creativity. If you truly want to be a creative person, you make sure you get inspired by other creative people and you look at what are they doing? How are they doing it? Why are they doing that? Even if that is a totally different area than your own, that's so important aspect of creativity is the inspiration part.
1: Well, one thing I'd want to ask following that statement is the The fact that right now, you know, a lot of companies are dealing with a very low engagement rate from employees. A lot of people are feeling disengaged. They're going to work. They're just punching in, punching out. And so when you go and speak to these businesses, I'm sure they're all looking to increase creativity, yet you're dealing with an issue, which is unengagement from the employees. So when you're looking for that inspiration, how much of that inspiration needs to be, you know, self motivated as opposed to the environment of your workplace and being responsible by your
0: leaders. Yes, so I've asked more than a million people this question from the stage. First question, do you think creativity is important in your job? Everyone says yes. Second question, do you think you are creative? Half of them say yes, half of them say no. Third question, is your company doing enough to develop your creativity? And almost no one says yes, like 98% say no. And then people take that as, yeah, look at that. If they just helped me more to be creative, I would be more creative. But then sometimes I ask a fourth question, are you doing enough to develop your own creativity? And no one says yes. Almost no one says yes. And I think, the way I look at this, creativity is not a responsibility of anyone else but yourself. And if you take responsibility for developing your own creativity, that is, you call it, this is the superhumans at work, right? This is the human superpower. Creativity is one of the human superpowers. We have a few, empathy is one, but. Creativity for sure is a human superpower. And the only one who can take responsibility for developing it is yourself. Don't blame anyone else.
1: Mm, I love that. And what I also enjoy is the fact that you made that powerful statement earlier about writing business books. You need to look at the future. I've had a lot of people come on my show speaking about the future of work. Where do you see the value of creativity as it stands now? And where do you see that value in the years to come?
0: Okay, so because I've been speaking about creativity in one aspect or another for 25 years, since 2000 full-time, people have looked at it in different ways, but it's always been relevant. So in good times, people need to innovate. We need to come up with new products. We need to grow. We need to scale, right? In bad times, oh, we need to challenge everything that we do and we need to come up with new ways of doing it. So from a speaker, it's very good. I'm always in demand. (laughs) But it's true, right? Creativity is always important. Let me ask you a question. What is the most amazing feeling that you can have as a human being?
1: Awe, like being in awe.
0: Okay, yeah, I agree. That's one of them. But there's one that's even stronger, I would say and that's being in love,
1: right? that, was, that was my second choice.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I, should,
1: I should know this. I'm writing a book about selling with love, so I should have said <laughs> love first.
0: <laughs> so I, I think there's nothing that beats being in love, especially when you have kids, the love to your kid, or the love, to your, like the love of your life, it's nothing beats it. But what's the second most amazing feeling, and I would argue that is to have an idea. Like when you have a really, really good idea, like you hear angels sing, the sky opens up, you see the future, you create the future, it's amazing. That feeling is amazing. And if you look at it that way, you realize as a human being, what's the mo- what is the best thing you can do? Is to be- do creative things for the people that you love. Nothing can beat that, nothing comes even close. And if you look at creativity, what's the meaning of the word creativity? The word creativity comes from the word create. The word create comes from the word creator, and the word creator comes from the word God. We as humans have created a word that basically said that for that one split second, when we have a really good idea, we are gods.
1: Wow. That is like the divine gift that we have. Actually, everything that we have in our lives is subject to us having an idea that we've decided to manifest into creation. And now here we are speaking while you are in Singapore and I am in Indonesia, and we're gonna be publishing this around the world. That is all subject to creativity that
0: created these ideas. We would still be monkeys in the jungle if we didn't have creativity. Human creativity is the only difference between us being monkeys and us being human beings going to Mars and everything in between. And then of course we need a lot of other skills as well, but if you take creativity away, all the other ones wouldn't matter.
1: I was going to say, do you see any of the technology we're developing in a way replacing human creativity?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. There's a lot of talk about, I think even one of your guests might have said, creativity, like the AI cannot take away creativity. We need to focus more on creativity because AI can never take that. I'm not in that camp. I actually think that computers are going to be creating on a massive scale because I define creativity as you take two things and you combine them. iPhone, you take a mobile phone, you take a computer, you combine the two, you have now a computer who can make phone calls, right? That's a classic example. Every single idea in the history of mankind is taking two things and combining them, everything. Glasses, is eye and glass combined, it's glasses. Everything is like this. What are computers really good at? They are good at taking billions of things and combining them over and over and over super fast. There is just a few great examples. Someone just did, if you're going to design a concert hall, you can put in all we know about good acoustics and good experiences of sound, put that into a computer and then ask it to design one billion concert halls and then test the sound and then pick the one that is the best. And they did that. And that concert hall looks like the inside of the stomach of a whale. No human being would even think about it. No human being. There's another one they did for a bridge, like a grip that was supposed to hold a bridge together. I don't know what you call it in English. Basically, a mount. But it has to be super strong, but it was very small. And normally, we just do like an L shape, and that would be a mount, right? But they put it into the computer and said, why don't you figure out what it's supposed to look like? And the computer did like a billion different versions. They came up with something that looked like an inside of a skeleton with like... Internet, small little things sticking out and like no human it looks like an animal like no one would design no human would design this so you could argue well is that creative is it not creative well what's the purpose the purpose is to create the best mount or create the best concert hall and the computers just did that so i think if we just get all stuck up and like oh they can't be creative as we are creative okay fine they cannot but they can be creative in ways that we cannot be creative so let's embrace it I call it creativity to the power of computers. It's an amazing opportunity. And if we just say, oh, they can't do it, we're, we are wasting one of the big best things computer could be good at. Mm,
1: I love your perspective because not only does it embrace the future of you know, computers coming and doing a lot of things that will possibly replace a lot of our functions, but you look at it in such a positive light because you see how it's actually going to solve a lot of problems in the world. Which brings me to Wanting to highlight a project you're working on that just I find fascinating because it looks like you're working on nurturing creativity in humans, you know, around the world and even in your native nation of Sweden, you've created this concept called Ideas Islands. Can you tell us more about what that is and what pushed you to create this innovation?
0: Okay, yes. So it's called Idea Island. It's true. I own three islands, but it's only one of them that is Ideas Island, to be clear. I have an island, every year I live two months on an island in Sweden. We have our own little island, it's tiny, it's like 100 meters times 30 meters, it's really, really small, but I'm on it by myself, not this summer because of, well, COVID, but every other summer for the last 20 years, for two months, I live on this island. And the reason I do it is to separate myself from the rest of the world. Because normally I go around and I speak about creativity all around the world, I go to 20, 35 countries per year. I get so much input, so much inspiration, I see so many things. I go to Bangladesh. I go to South Africa. I go to North Korea. I see all of this. And I get so much inspiration. But to be creative, we can't always be inspired. It's like to create is to push something out. You cannot push something out if you're constantly getting things in. So for two months, I just go on an island and I just play with my kids. I don't do anything. I don't do any work. I just play with my kids and cut the grass and, and look at the swans. And my brain then takes all those things that he has been seeing and starts to connect them in ways I could never think of from the subconscious part of the brain. Because the subconscious part of the brain is only active when the conscious brain is shutting up for a second. And that's what I do for two months. I just shut the conscious brain off for two months. And I have amazing ideas there. And then I realized this is too good for me to have by myself. So I bought a second island in Sweden and I never go to it. My- I've never slept on that island. I bought it and then I launched it as Ideas Island, ideasisland.com and People can apply to go and stay one week on the island to do exactly that. Just disconnect from the rest of the world and they don't have to pay. It's for free. It's a CSR project for me. It costs me money because I have to take care of the island, but you don't have to pay any money. If you can give money to charity, that's great, but you don't have to. And people go there and they just work on a project. They have to tell me, what is the project? Who are you? Why should I let you stay on the island? And then if if you have a compelling reason, I let you go. And it could be any kind of idea.
1: I absolutely love it. And so is this a project that's been running for a few years? And do you have any like, case studies that have come out of people going to these islands? I'd be fascinated.
0: I've been doing it for about five years, I think, maybe six. I lost track, but something like that. Everything from a woman who went to write a book about being sexually abused as a child and wanted to spread that idea to You know, the rest of the world, no other child should be sexually abused. To a guy who's been in the IT industry as project manager in IT for his whole life, and he's like 45 years old, and he said, why am I doing this? I was supposed to be a painter. I never learned how to paint. So he said, I'm going to go for one week on the island, and I'm going to paint just for a week. I'm just going to learn how to paint. And since that, this is three years ago, I think he went. Since then, every single day, every single day after that, he paints. And he posts on Facebook, on his Facebook page, every single day since that. And he is now an amazing painter. He still has his IT job, but he could make a living as a painter. He's amazing. I'm going to commission a painting from him soon. Awesome. A family with an autistic child that's been reading 250 books about autism and now writing his own book about autism, just wanted to clear his mind and say, what of all these 250 books, what should I put in my book to make the 251st book different from the other 250? One of my favorite was... a. Uh, A heavy metal festival in Eastern Europe that wanted to go for one week and figure out how can we make it greener? (laughs) We want want a more sustainable heavy metal (laughs) festival. They went to figure that out. All kinds. It's not the most creative people in the world. It's people with fun ideas. I'm all about democratizing. Everyone should be a little bit more creative. That's what I'm about. I
1: love it. Now, I wanted to go right into that, which is now I've listened to this. Maybe I'm not able to go to an island, especially in the year 2020. We've had a few more restrictions to our travels. Oh, I
0: thought, well, wait. It's the best place in the world to be. on to be an I- isolated That's island.
1: <laughs> to be on an isolated island, especially in Sweden, since there was a very different approach, right? Yes. But that being said, if I'm working for a company, maybe I don't have the opportunity to leave for a week or a month or two months, what are the best activities that I can do to nurture my creativity? And is this some of these things that I can apply without
0: necessarily leaving my house or at least not leaving too far? First of all, I think you should leave your house. This whole idea of working from home that we introduced during COVID is such a stupid concept. I mean, there's nothing wrong to work from your home, but to think that, okay, I'm not in office, so therefore I should work from home. You went from there's one place I can work to there are two places I can work. No, there's a billion places you can work go to the nice, great Starbucks next to the water and work there for a while. I have, for example, when I do invoicing, which I hate, I hate any admin, I go to the most boring place I know. It's depressing. It looks like a jail. And I, I go there and I sit there. I don't want to spend a second there, which makes my body feel I need to get out of this jail. And the only way I can get out is to do my invoicing. I specifically choose a bad environment to get me to do the thing that I hate a little bit less than being in this jail. But when I write my books, Like for example, people always ask me, how do you write your books? I collect material for years. Like I said, I'm writing three books at the same time. I I don't know when I'm gonna publish them, when I'm done, like it can take years because writing a book is about collecting material as much as you can. But then when I write, I go and I go to a beach in the Philippines or I go to, yeah, usually a beach actually. (laughs) And I rent a hut and I wake up at seven in the morning and I write nonstop from seven in the morning to 11 in the evening and I do it for two weeks. Nothing else, like only me in a hut. Sometimes with my kids, but mostly not, just by myself. I only have one meal. I have breakfast, little bit of breakfast, one lunch, and a small snack in it, and I hardly eat. I just, boom, I'm totally in the zone. Then why do you sit on a beach? Because my body thinks it's on vacation. My brain thinks it's half vacation, half working, and my mind thinks it's working. And it's working in the most amazing place. I so hear the waves and you see the sand and everything. Like that. And I, I write, I write. And sometimes people come up to me and they say, hey, dude, relax. You're on vacation, you know, get a life. And I go, hey, I'm not on vacation. I'm working here, you get a life. (laughs)
1: Well, that that talks about the power of environment to stimulate different parts of the brain, or at least to get us in a different state. Because yes, a lot of us are working at home. But what you're suggesting here is especially when you want to get in a state of creativity, one of the best things to do is to change environments to see things differently. So even from the local Starbucks, you said could be one of the ideas for people to do.
0: Yeah. So my process is every morning go for a walk or a run for at least 10,000 steps, which is like more or less one hour walking or running in the Botanic Garden of Singapore. And usually listening to a podcast including yours <laughs> and then Evernote and then when I have an idea stop and write it down and it's perfect story. but it's important to see it that's my concept traveling around the world and two months on an island is mine but some people have totally different processes I read a book once about how people write books and <laughs> people write in all different ways I have a friend he writes 45 minutes on his lunch break no 15 minutes on his lunch break every day He has lunch for 45 minutes instead of an hour, he writes for 15 minutes every day, but he writes every day. That's totally different from how I did it. So who is right, who is wrong? No one is, everyone is right. Find your own creative process.
1: Which actually brings me to that, one of the final questions, which is, you know, people when they start something or they present something creative, a lot of times it feels like we're looking elsewhere. I know for me, like, oftentimes I'm almost scared to be so creative that I try to find something where if it's been done before I can replicate it. And so, If I'm becoming more efficient, I'm trying to optimize my processes. And then I feel a little scared about taking on my own practice. Like, for example, writing a book is a good one because for me, like, I didn't know what was the best way to write a book. So I felt like I needed to follow a program that told me, yes, you need to do it this way. And there's a part of me that feels like the creative process, it's too inefficient, but I I feel like I need to embrace it. Let me explain it this way. When I think about going into creativity, it feels like it's something that has so many unknowns, so many risks, because it's not concrete. It's not like a followed process. It seems like I need to go in a lot of different tangents, a lot of different areas to be able to bring up that one idea. And so I guess my question, which I I think I'm already coming up with my answer here, but how do I make my own creative process more efficient so that I'm not wasting time? And who are the peoples I should study or does it all need to come from my own inspiration?
0: Okay, so I defined myself as a creativity author and speaker for 20 years. And then last year, my son gave me the biggest gift i ever received, I think, because he was supposed to introduce me in... We have this thing in school. What does your parents do for a living? And he was supposed to say, my father is a creativity expert. But he screwed it up. So he said, my father is a creativity explorer instead of creativity expert. And I just... When I heard this, that's exactly what I am. I explore human creativity and I go and study creativity in the most unexpected of places. And then I looked up the word, meaning of the word. What's the meaning of the word explore? It means to venture into unknown territory in order to learn more about something. That's what it means to explore. And creativity is to explore is to venture into unknown territory in order to learn more about it. And yes, you can bring the maps of other people who have ventured before you. But if you want to be creative, you cannot just go in the footsteps of other people. You can use their, you know, you can interview them about what they had on their trips. You can ask for their advice. You can borrow their maps, but you have to explore yourself. The most important exploration you can do in your life is to go and explore your own creative process, to fully understand it. 99.9% of people do not fully understand their own creative process. I spent hours and hours, months and months, trying to understand when am I the most creative, when I'm the least creative, what is it that triggers my creativity, what kills my creativity, why did I have this idea, why did I have it now? If you want to be good at something, you have to understand it, and not, not just on a basic level, on a fundamental level. So you need to study your own creative process deeply.
1: That is absolutely brilliant. What a great way to close. Frederick, thank you so much for coming to share the ideas on creativity. I mean, right here, we covered a lot of topics, especially with the fact that we all have creativity and uh, some of us have it a bit more when we are born, but we can always train it because it's an essential skill that we can use in the workplace. We're seeing that this is the birthplace where all the ideas have become into fruition. Everything that we get to take for granted today has been the subject of people being creative, where they combine two things into one to create an innovation that is the execution of that creativity. I had a lot of my own questions around this because I have not necessarily labeled myself as a creative person. I'm always trying to see things that are more predictable but here it's a beautiful embrace of an exploration of the unknown because we all have a different blueprint on how do we become creative. And as we get curious and we explore and we take chances, yes, sometimes ideas might be a little too early, which makes it a bad idea at the time, but you can always practice yourself knowing that timing is important. When you continue creating ideas, you'll be able to apply them. And who knows, maybe there'll be the next iPhone innovation coming out of your own mind as well. Frederick, thank you so much again for sharing ideas. If you've enjoyed this, make sure to look into the links below. There's tons of resources to over the 10 books that have been written by Frederick, as well as his ideas, islands that we talked about. Maybe you're one of the people that want to apply to go there and definitely get curious about making yourself more creative. It is an essential skills, even as the robots are coming. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.